I'm Guy Michaels, voiceover artist and director of the training platform, VoiceOver Kickstart. In this, our fourth episode, I'm talking with Kate Whelan, whose clients as a professional voiceover include Emirates Airline, Aldi, Google, and many more over a lengthy career that started in radio. We discuss the evolving industry, negotiating rates, studio sessions, the process from booking to completion of projects, working remotely, and dealing with the isolated nature of the role. For more golden advice and resources, head to voiceoverkickstart.com. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for coming on with us today. Straight in with, what was your first job? Oh, right. Okay. So I was still working at a radio station at the time. I used to sneak in the studio when jobs used to, used to crop up. Um, I won't say which one in case the boss is still there, but it was a, it was a corporate script and it was for Nokia. So it was actually, an, yeah, a big name to begin with. It was an internal pitch script. Um, but yeah, it was, that was it. That's how it all started. And did that then instantly lead to, to the next job? It didn't really, just because I was doing a lot of different um, commercial and IBR work and, and those sorts of prospects as well at the time. So I was jumping from, from one thing to another all the time. Yeah. When I've spoken to, to, to lots of voiceovers who, who've been doing it for a while, you know, I know you've been, you've been at it for how long? 17 years? 17 years. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've spoken to, to, to voiceovers who've been doing it for sort of maybe 30 odd years. And, uh, and there's been all this more in recent years, all this kind of debate around, around rates and everyone uses phrases like the race to the bottom and all that kind of thing, and, and how the the pay-to-play systems have had an effect, etc. Um, but what's what's always interesting to me is that first job. You know, the, where did they start? Because a lot of the at the risk of offending potential listeners to this, they probably won't be listening. Those who've been doing it for a very very long time, uh, who, of course, and right rightly so, they they bang on about rates and, and upholding a standard. But when they're talking to a new voiceover, when they're talking to someone who's not done anything, they've never stood in front of a microphone, hit record, or got paid for anything, mm -hmm. and they're upholding this kind of standard of, of rates, my question to them, and I've never actually asked it, would be, okay, so what was it for you then? Were you walking down the street one day and someone just stopped you and came up to you in the street and said, here you go, we're going to pay you <laughs> top dollar for this job, even though you have no experience, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not suggesting that the voiceovers go in there and do stuff for free or for very, very low rates. But you've got to start somewhere. Absolutely you do. And I never had any really great slash high expectations when I went into it. As I said before, I was working at a radio station. So really, I was just learning from that standpoint how the whole commercial production process worked. So for me, I really didn't know what kind of work I was going to be getting, um, but I just went for all of it. And whether it was a five quid IVR prompt, a 20 odd quid radio commercial script, it really didn't matter. It was about gaining the experience and, and pushing through any 
nerves or imposter syndrome or whatever I might have had at the time, which I'm sure I did, even though it was a long time ago. Um, But yeah, I was a great believer in the fact that if you are getting the feedback and people want to work with you, then you just keep going. You just keep going with the flow. And once you've then... um, once you've then started to get a good database of, of regular clients, then you start to think more about, okay, so where do I really stand in my, my true voiceover authenticity? What kind of clients do I really want to work with? What is it that I really want to do? So, yeah, it was, it was a lot of it was working on the job for me and, and just learning how the whole process worked. And obviously then there were a lot more live sessions. So it was really learning about how that whole process worked as well. Um, Not to mention all the the studio technicality stuff, which which was a whole new ball game for me. So yeah, Yeah. learning everything at once. Yeah, although a lot of that was was out of your hands, I suppose, at the time as well. You were at the mic being recorded and you weren't dealing with the technical side. Yeah, but I still needed to get my studio set up from home. Right. And and I think that was one thing as well that I was very conscious of being meticulous about. If I was going to do this, I was going to invest and I was going to do it right. Um, <laughs> no offence to anyone who is hovering underneath the duvet. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's how I wanted to go about it. And it was a big investment in those days. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Thousands and thousands you, you would have spent. It's yeah. much, more, much more achievable now. How long did it take you to, to work out what your voice was, meaning what your niche, the, the, the thing that you were going to then get booked for time and time again, almost in a way, like we've talked about before, the kind of the effortless job? Um, I'm still learning. No, no, no. Probably about, probably in the first... 18 months, two years, I would say. Um, Because I came from an acting background, I still held on very much to this idea, as many actors do, that, oh, yeah, I can can try that. I can can do anything. Yeah, just hand me that character. Throw me that script. Yeah, I'll do it all. And it took me a while to realise that that really wasn't doing me any favours. Um. I feel very fortunate that I was able to put my hand to both the commercial side of things and the corporate. That was well practiced from from very early on. Um, And any regular clients that would come my way, the real reward, the real icing on the cake is when they trust you enough to say, hey, we've got this really unusual thing. Would you just audition and give it a go? You say, yeah. And that so that's when you were often a little bit more stretched and that's a great way to gain experience as well. So again, it's about building those relationships. It's just invaluable, really. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, um, most of the actors I've, I've ever worked with, um, I'm sure have that belief of, yeah, I, I can do that type of advert or I can, I can be this, this voice for this particular product or something. And yeah, you probably can with mm-hmm. work. Um, but actually, make make it easy for yourself. <laughs> Find out what you are at your most natural. What are you? Are you the luxury spa break, or are you the voice <laughs> of the car mechanics, or or whatever it is? And um, 
and pitch for those things. And it's the same with, um, I think it's the same with, with, with things like accents. Yeah. And, and, and I have these yeah. conversations still to this day uh, with, uh, I'm going to say actors kind of who are clearly in the first couple of years out of training uh, where maybe they've been working on a series of accents at drama school and they've been refining their RP and everything. And then when it comes to the recorded voice side of work, they see jobs come up and, oh, it's Scottish. Oh, yeah, I could do Scottish. Or it's uh, North American or it's this or it's that. Well, okay, but there's 325 million Americans. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't bother about that. Go, go for what you are or as close as, as possible. Uh, and another thing I've worked when I went working with actors is much of the drama school training is this kind of neutralising. Yeah, yes. this kind of I'm going to say homogenizing. Yeah, and for, for me it was I definitely was that. School. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had to get back to I had to get back to being a boy from Bogner <laughs> when I when I left drama school because I f I definitely felt that it it had um yeah it refined the refined the sound and I certainly had the the oomph and the power and the articulation all those kind of things which actually as you know when you get up to the mic can potentially destroy the session. You know, if you're the actor who's booming away and over-articulating uh, throughout and, and really get, getting back to natural, in a way, as the actor, you're coming to the sessions potentially with some disadvantages because you have to unravel, <laughs> without getting sort of too uh, psychological about this, you have to unravel the damage <laughs> of drama school, <laughs> sorry, the uh, what they've done to you in terms of your voice in order to get back to you. And yeah, it's a, it yeah. becomes a dial, doesn't it? It becomes something, the clarity becomes a dial, something you can turn up and turn down. But in terms of accent work, have you been asked to do accent work in your voice? Yes, career? I have actually. And there have been on a few occasions, maybe just once or twice, where I have said to them, you realise that I'm not a native. You do realise that there are a lot of voiceovers who are this native of this, this dialect. And they go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So sometimes they, they're just not too worried. Um, the interesting thing for me, just going back to what you were saying about neutralising accents at drama school, I was very aware of that. But as a child, I moved around quite a bit as a family and um so when we moved north I really hadn't got any kind of accent at all it wasn't from where I was born or where we wherever we moved to mm -hmm. and that's kind of stayed the same and, and I've just always had from a young child I was always doing impersonations so naturally from such a young age I was working on that range all the time unknowingly because it was all fun and it was all having a laugh and larking around. But um, I think once, if you do have that kind of ear for it, it becomes a lot easier, even in adulthood and whatever, whatever might have uh, been, been stripped back at drama school. Yeah. Flexibility. Yes. Talking, talking of, uh, talking of flexibility, how flexible have you had to be um, or, or rather, What's the strangest thing you've ever been asked to do in a session? Uh, and it mustn't be rude. <laughs> um, well, if it's too rude, I'll cut it out. No, no, no. It's okay. okay. 
No, we'll save the audience for that one. Um, so I was doing a radio session and I was asked if I could play uh, a giraffe. And they said, can you just think of whatever springs to mind, something appropriate for um, the voice of a giraffe? So anyway, I came up with, uh, with a woman from the Black Country. And um, yeah, it seemed, to, it seemed to work very well at the time. <laughs> Lord knows why, how. Why the Black Country? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know there are quite a few giraffes from around that region, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was just a moment of inspiration. Well, I'm not going. I'm not going to ask you to do it for us now, unless you want to. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think I can remember actually. Um, that's yeah. What's the uh, What's the most exciting job that you've had? In terms of the entire experience, opportunity, etc., it would be a five-year contract with Emirates Airline, and. It meant that I was meeting such an array of different people. I was having live sessions with uh, the tech company in Silicon Valley, coordinating that with calls with the company in Dubai. Um, I'm sure there was someone else once in New York as well. That we were, and it was just, it was so mind blowing. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sat there in a box bedroom. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, up in South Manchester. It was, it was really quite something. And it was a really good exercise in, um, yeah, real, real technical discipline, actually. Mm-hmm. A lot of the IVR stuff, um, when a lot of this software was being developed, um, you really do have to get the intonation just right. Um, and I had to say every single airport and the entire planet as well. So, um, wow. yeah. And yeah, alongside that, all the lovely stuff like the trips to Dubai. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to California. And uh, I was cursing the technology at that point. <laughs> so I thought, damn, it's just too good. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's got even better. And uh, in terms of connecting with people, remotely around the world and uh, so i i'm guessing that now that is it for you uh you, you are working primarily from your studio connecting with people remotely using isdn i guess still or no or i've got source rid of connect. isdn now yeah got rid, of it. got rid of that baby um source connect and, yeah we're good yeah. Uh, clean feed rarely ever needing to go into an actual uh, into another studio then Yes, and in actual fact, I had a session with the studio down in Soho last week, and um, it was such a fun session. And I came out of the session, and I just thought, oh, God, I wish I'd popped down on the train to London to do this. Obviously, the option wasn't there. It's just not been happening. But, yeah, we, we still had great interaction, but it would have been fantastic to do in person. And I thought, yeah, I really miss going to different studios and seeing different people. Um, it's a it's a highlight for me. I, mm. I absolutely love it. Um, mm. So yeah, it's a shame. 
but uh, hopefully those sorts of things will come back. They will. They will to an extent, yeah. I'm sure. Um, what's your What's your process? So from from when you know that you've booked the job, uh, what's your process from you know that moment and getting the script through to to completing and, and invoicing? You know, what? How does that work for you? Yeah. Okay. So um, I do like to communicate with clients from the outset. Um, that sounds a really corporate thing to say, but I, I do like to get that 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 connection, that relationship going, um, just so that I know how it speaks. Very often, we'll turn up to a session, and the clients really don't know the whole process either. Very often, more often than not, they they do. But it's just good for them to know that there's really nothing complicated about this and we're going to get the end, you know, the end result that they want. And um, so, yeah, I like to speak to them and find out if that's possible rather than just on a brief or a storyboard, just find out exactly what they, what they're after. But also to um, give them a chance, sorry, sort of interrupting, but also to give them a chance to put uh to create a connection to have a you know who is the voice behind this email address yes or, or whatever and you know i i certainly i rarely ever would take a job on without having that communication with someone beforehand because you're very likely to fail at the job mm-hmm. unless you have a relationship with that client and an understanding of what it is that they want to achieve uh oh, rather than oh just here's the script oh yeah go go ahead off you go okay well what about pacing or what about are there any examples you can point me towards in yeah. terms of the branding the style of your it's very or... much like if you were, were having any other kind of business meeting you would yeah you create that that relationship to begin with wouldn't you, you create that yeah, connection yeah, yeah. And just yeah. find out about the person rather than rocking up to a studio and it's is the voice here yet without i'm not sounding pedantic or or you know uh, very entitled when I say that, but um, it's just good for me to know that the clients know that I'm I'm pretty easy to work with. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, so it's good to just have a chat about things, the weather, football results, whatever it might be, and then and then move on. And um, and I I'm a great believer in making sure that there's a a good buoyant sense of humor in the session you know is mo- are most of your sessions directed sessions then no they're not actually right which again is something that um i i feel quite um a bit, a bit gre- regrettable about the way that the technology's gone in that in that sense mm-hmm. you really do lose something when you're when you're recording remotely um from a very personal point of view as well, it does mean that I spend a lot more time on the projects. Whereas in a live session, a client will generally say, yep, great, after a couple of takes, I will go back with a fine tooth comb and go over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So I'm a bit of a perfectionist like that. So just yeah. having other ears there is a really big help. Definitely. In terms of time, you know, using Source Connect or, or Clean Feed or anything like that, when the client is actually receiving the order audio live in that moment, what a time saver for you because yeah. you're not then having to do anything with it. You're then not tempted to go back and redo anything. They've just received it. They're going to take it. They're going to 
sprinkle some magic on it and edit it and do whatever they need to do. And that's fine. And then you just invoice, you get paid. That's the end of the job. And hopefully it leads to something else. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm with you on that. I tend to, I still, I still like, um, you know, I definitely still like kind of working with people, mm. um, even though I work on my own most of the time. And I, and I like you with regards to studio sessions. It's that opportunity to break up your week with, having connection with people when yes in most cases voiceovers are working in isolation in, in most yeah, of the time in a, yeah, um, like in my yeah. booth to a padded cell yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 it is and and then there's the editing side as well and i am beyond perfectionist about things and i won't let if i'm working on a project that the client has trusted me with i won't let out of my sight until it's absolutely perfect and that takes hours of meticulous work yeah that said just going back to the whole recording process when working live with a client I do always like to go back I don't want to take over and say hey have you tried this what about a take doing this but I will say if I've heard a slight glitch in my voice if I think that it's worth doing further takes then yeah course you know um I like to open it up and say is while we're here would you like me to just try any other styles that you want to go away with and have that option yeah and actually I find that clients are quite surprised when you suggest that um because Mm. maybe maybe they're used to just we've got 20 minutes with the with the voice and that's it I would always open up to do you want to do anything else and also of course you as the as the voice you have to be prepared to come with ideas. Yeah. Well, I think it then comes back to your own integrity as well. What's more important? Is it eyes on the clock or whether your client leaves with exactly what they want? And obviously for me, it's it's the latter. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't want ever, ever for a client to be saying, right, okay, that's it. Time's up. You'll have to just make do with what you've got. With regards to commercial work, how does coming from an acting background help help you with that? Um, I think, well, I'm going to be really honest now because it's it's many, many years since um, I, I, I do feel detached now from my acting days, as it were. Um, I am a voice actor. Obviously, things like your range, um, the the ear for for tonality and things like that that always that always stays with you um the ability to build a build a character and build build a scenario from copy on a piece of paper all of those kinds of things really and yeah I think microphone technique so I did do quite a bit of radio work um but other than that because I don't really do a lot of character stuff now the the roles, as it were, that I play are more limited. It's communication, you know. Yeah, people yeah. Ask kind of what I people ask what I do. I, I don't really necessarily like, you know, if a neighbor asks what what I did for a living, I wouldn't generally kind of say voiceover just because they they might well a lot of people don't even know what that really means. Or or they might sort of just jump to a conclusion that it's oh, it's the voice of one of those things on a Saturday night program or something. Whereas, of course, you know, the world of the recorded voice is so gigantic and there's so many markets mm. and, and sub-markets mm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's communication. It's communication and storytelling. And, you know, and 
we've talked about this before, but there are advantages and disadvantages of coming from a from an acting background. Most definitely, there are disadvantages. The overarticulation, the 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 booming. You know, if someone's come up to or playing to a thousand people, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So understanding the different medium that you're playing in, but still storytelling, communication, um, structure. Yes. Through line, intention, all the basics really of, of acting. Yeah. So yes, you're communicating with the client. You're also then communicating to the audience by interpreting the best you can, representing that brand, that company in the, in the best way possible. Um, and there's nothing better than when a client says to you, that's exactly how I heard it in my mind. <laughs> yeah. I, I've worked, um, I've had this conversation a few times where, where, with voiceovers who get a bit, I'm going to say deaverish when the producer, the writer, the director, the engineer gives them a read. And I always think, well, you're getting paid to do it. Get over your own ego. If someone gives you a read because you're not giving them what they hear in their head, that's mm -hmm. okay. That's okay. <laughs> also bring some other ideas to it as well, but accommodate. Don't yeah, don't get yeah. too big for your boots and not be able to to give them a read. Even if they're giving you a read in, in terms of what they mean musically or rhythmically, just, yeah. just go with it. Just go with it. Yeah. I mean, actually, sometimes a client will just volunteer that at the beginning yeah. of a session just because they can't translate what they want necessarily in, into words and they'd rather just read it themselves. And that's a great help. And in fact, I've joked with a few clients over the years and said, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've asked for it sometimes. I've said, you know, what 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 do you what do you mean? Because the people who are directing don't come from necessarily from that um, performance background. They they're not communicating with you in the the terminology that you might be used to as a stage actor mm. or whatever. Mm. And so you're right. It's how do they communicate? And if that means giving you a read for you to then carbon copy that and then do your own spin, give it your own spin, that's absolutely yeah. fine. What are the things that you, you you wish that clients had a better understanding of with regards to you know the, the work of a voice voiceover artist from from start to finish in the process? What do you what do you wish that they sometimes wish? I wish, I wish you got this. Um, that's a tricky one, guy. Um, I. I suppose, I mean, we touched on it a little bit a few moments ago. Uh, I think it's just to release, on both sides, actually, it's just to release any kind of judgment or expectation um, rather than thinking, oh, it's, uh, it's an artist and uh, we've got them for an hour. And it is just understanding that, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's understanding that voice artists love a session with people and but don't mind if uh if we have a bit of a chat and a conversation i'm not there just to right do a couple of takes and that's yep. it um i want i think voiceovers really want to feel that they are part of of the process rather than just being at the very very end of a production chain mm-hmm so yeah, no, that, yeah, uh, that that's it for me as well. Isn't it? Yeah, feeling when you in those jobs where you actually feel like you're part of the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for them, so if you were to be able to speak to them beforehand, you know, make make me feel like I'm part of the team. Yeah, yeah. What about um? 
What about the the big question of rates? So if you're working with um, a newbie, mm-hmm. someone who's never booked a voiceover, voiceover before, there can be those potentially difficult conversations where, especially today, when we are wearing so many hats and we are doing everything and we are saving them money because they are not having to pay for a city studio and a yeah. secondary engineer and we're having doing everything ourselves. But how do you deal with that side of things when someone might say something, which I've heard many times before, oh, no, 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 we're, we're only booking you for an hour. It's only, um, you know, it's only three paragraphs or it's this. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so um, if I... If from the outset, so if a, if a new client approaches me and says, we've got this project, I'll go back to them and I'll say, well, this is the rate for this. If it's going to be used here, here or here, these are what the additional costs would be. Mm-hmm. And then if a client comes back and says, well, we can't do that, by which point I've done a little bit of research and found out who the client is, whether it's a startup, well, what their what their general intention is and I then decide well no it's not this client isn't really in alignment with with me and I'm quite happy to let it go there are other times when I think no I I would like to work with these guys and I and I'd like to help them out there are times when you I actually think people are a lot better informed now than they were years ago about costs and usage and you know all the the old term royalty fees etc um it's just about how people approach you and how they communicate with you about it and I, I i'm a big believer that if you feel it's right and you can negotiate a fee that works on both sides then i say go for it i have never been one that says right that is the fee because then I often wouldn't have as many opportunities and I've worked on projects that I've really gained a lot out of. Um, and I know perhaps to many people in the in the voiceover community, that is perhaps a very popular remark to make, but that's how I've run my business. And um, I will also then go back and if I feel that a client is is aware but is still um being out of integrity then i just go back and say i understand that my rates reflect the value that i provide um so you know <laughs> i understand on this occasion that that you don't want that so that's yeah um, you've got to be that you've got to you've got to be the right fit for the projects the and yeah and at the same time be flexible that every everyone running a a freelance business should have a sliding scale, mm. but it's down to you to decide when to implement the sliding scale and not for it to be enforced upon you. Uh, I had something a few months ago where it was a, a luxury car company and they were so proud of the fact that they were a luxury luxury car company. And yet they were arguing a lot about rates. Mm. Well, you're a luxury car company. How much money have you put into this video? How much money did that cost you? And yet you're quibbling over, over that. And whereas, of course, if you're then doing something for a startup or a third sector organization, 
yeah, of course, you're going to flex that. You're going to flex that. You're going to, you're going to work to, yeah. to some sort of sliding scale within within reason. Yeah, and there are uh, there are third party production companies as well that you have a very good relationship with, and you you want to continue that. Uh, so within that, there are you know the, you win some, you lose some type type of jobs as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. You know, and this is something which I've. I've seen a lot with um with relatively new voiceovers uh, who have read somewhere something about rates as though it's some sort of gospel. Mm-hmm. And um maybe that they're working with a client and the client's come back to them and said, Oh hey, we just want to change I'm like uh, a couple of weeks later, we just want to change this paragraph uh, here. How much would you charge us for that? Or mm-hmm. my response to that is, I will charge you nothing. Because mm. I will just do it because I'm very efficient and I will just record it and I'll slot it in seamlessly and you won't notice that it was done two weeks later. And then actually that will probably lead to some sort of repeat or referral work at some point. Yes. I am not going to go, oh, actually, I think I should, according to this rate guide, I should charge you an extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't worry about that stuff. And, you know, the as you know, the value, the value of that client interaction is mm. more than about the money you get for that time you spend on the project. It's about yeah. the relationship and the rapport, which you were talking about earlier, that you start to create, which leads to a much bigger field of work in the future. And that's yeah. what we all want, isn't it? We all want that repeat and referral work that you don't have to go out and prospect for mm-hmm. because you've already got it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, Kate, thanks very much for coming on uh, with me today. I just want to ask you one more thing. If you were to, if you're in a position to give um, some advice to a young actor who is perhaps leaving drama school right now, especially in light of what's been going on during 2020, and what that that reality is for them, Um, and you know, my advice to them has always been to think about recorded voice work as the kind of potential parallel career which could, which could support or help you. Mm, degree mm. with your um, acting work but what would be your advice to them you know what first steps do you think they could or, or should take I would say that the one thing that they can start to do without investing any money is actually listen to commercials I think actors are really astute at you know they learn their craft they watch plays they um, read read plays you know, listen to writers, watch actors, etc. Listen to commercials. Go on YouTube. Listen to corporate presentations, um, and and just start to get that craft programming in your mind. Just start to tune into it because it is a very different discipline. Um, but certainly, um, yeah, take any opportunities. And if it is something that you want to pursue, invest in a good studio base um and it's something then that you can you can continue to do you can pick it up and put it down as as you as you wish in between your acting work yeah listen to all the different genres out there all the different kind of Mm. markets of voiceover work and and start to as quickly as possible identify the things which you could potentially get booked for yeah yeah i mean i i don't work in in the gaming industry um but that's another one yeah just start to really tune in and and listen to all sorts of resources about the industry as well, like this. (laughs) 
exactly exactly yeah, yeah. I mean, and also um you know be, just be i my other advice uh, which i would always uh, give give to those young actors there who especially who are kind of watching their pennies which is don't be tempted to go out and spend loads of money on things um don't be don't be tempted to go out and spend thousands and thousands of pounds on gear because as you and i know it used to be very expensive and now actually you can Ooh. do it on a much more reasonable budget be careful that you're not tempted into spending money on very expensive workshops on things uh some of the workshops which in my opinion are so specialist like there's a lot of workshops i've seen recently which are things like um the automotive read learn all about the automotive read i mean to me um and i hope the people running running those workshops aren't listening to this um (laughs) but the the automotive read workshop really what so jaguar want you to do it in the same way as kia or or mazda what does that even mean the automotive read workshop it doesn't work doesn't work for me at all but instead work your ear listen to loads of commercial Mm. out there understand how it's changed as well understand how it's changed how we we sometimes might need to turn on the commercial voice and other times you might just need to sound like a bloke talking to another bloke and and the trends in in voiceover just shifts so often um we're in the very much in the in the midst of the girl next door northern voice at the moment Uh, but it will change again and so it will carry on yeah but then at the same time there are always people that need clear consistent neutral reads yeah 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 kate thank you so much again for coming on uh, today such useful such useful stuff and uh, i hope to uh, speak to you again soon In episode five, we take a look at a highly featured accent learning hub that could prove extremely useful for voice actors wanting to improve their ear for accents when tackling audiobooks, gaming, animation, or audio drama. I'm Guy Michaels. Thanks for listening.